0: Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. Hello folks, welcome to episode three, Growing Up Fire. Today I've got David Sturgeon with me and we're up here in Dawson Creek, BC. So David, thanks for coming.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs>
0: It's, uh, it's been a trip to get here. It's been fun. We uh, looked all over the Peace River Regional District and got to show me a lot of stuff and talk about a lot of things. For me, it's been great. Learned a lot of new things about how a regional district works in BC. But we'll get to that. So for now, what I want to know is why you want to be a firefighter? How did this all start?
1: Well, um, talking about that question, everybody thinks that you know you had these grandiose plans when you are young. It's all you could ever think about was being a firefighter. And unfortunately, my story is not so lackluster, (laughs) or maybe it is lackluster, but (laughs) basically grew up, wanted to be a trucker because I thought that was the coolest job in the world. You know, big trucks hauling down the highway and the big horns. Anyways, flip to, you know, high school, you get out of high school trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life and tried the forestry on a uh, contracted unit crew and thought, you know, in the news, these people, you know, they do all this great work, which they do. But when you're actually out in the field, it just is really, really hard work. And it doesn't seem like anybody cares that you're doing it. So it was great for the physical labor. It was great for meeting people and and understanding, you know, one part of the fire business. So from there, I decided, you know, I didn't want to work on the end of a Pulaski my whole life. So I uh, started looking around. I worked at a grocery store and one of the buddies there said, hey, did you know that you can apply and volunteer for a fire department, and you can drive the trucks and do all you know everything that goes with firefighting. And to that point, I didn't realize that you could just sign up and they would train you and you could do all that stuff. So I was like, "That's pretty cool." And basically, went from there. He kind of got me the leg up to get in through the interview, and I started in our regional recruit program in the North Okanagan and went to that class. That was about fifty-six hours, and then from there. I guess they said I could be a firefighter. So,
0: so pretty awesome. Like a, a couple of pretty normal firefighter tricks for us to get people to come into the business, right? We're like, Hey, look at this fancy job, big forest fires, you know? And really, like you say, it's kind of dirty, nasty, long days. I mean, the money's good and it's a good job for the summer sort of thing. And then your buddy, you said, my buddy said, Hey, you could come and Right. And so that's <laughs> another trick firefighters use. You use it yourself now to get people to join
1: up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you use the fancy tracks and, and all the glory. You don't talk about all the, you know, the not so nice things, which it happens in the fire service. It's not all gravy, but for the most part, you get in there if you're if you're somebody that likes to learn and you're somebody that wants to always grow, I would say this is the profession for you. There's there's no dull moment. I don't think there's any way in your whole entire career that you could understand every single piece about firefighting there's so many different aspects and things and just when you think you have or mastered something else comes along so
0: I guess that's always the fun part right you're <laughs> always training on something new you're always learning something new you're always even like you say if you think that you know everything something will come along and tell you you don't, right?
1: Oh, absolutely, or some event will happen and you'll say, you know, I did this for 15 years this way and it always worked, and then all of a sudden your event went sideways or whatever happened and, and it changes your whole outlook. On there's always those one-offs that potentially what your, your knowledge you had isn't gonna work in that case, so.
0: You know, I laugh, because you hear all over the fire service, we kind of make fun of ourselves and other people make fun of us and say, you know, 100 years of tradition unimpeded by change. But it's hilarious to me because this job is all about change. You never stop changing. You never stop learning and you never stop going in a new direction. And so, yes, we have our traditions, right? We could list those off all day, but we also have change in every day aspect of what we're doing. And so people don't get that about us.
1: No, I think that's probably the the biggest, weakest link in the fire service. And I think the only way to combat that is small pockets of change. So that the firefighters don't realize that they're being changed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Because right. firefighters hate two things, right? Change and the way it is now. Exactly. <laughs> right on. So you end up in Coldstream, right? You're a new recruit. You're you're going along, doing your thing. You know, what's that like?
1: So going along, like I said, did that 56-hour course, basically said that I was safe enough that, you know, I could be a firefighter. Obviously, you weren't allowed to drive the trucks and all that stuff because that's a whole another element, but got me in there, started doing the courses. You got to commit to one night a week at minimum. So we have your practice up until probably the the fifth year in made a hundred percent of the practices every year. It was like an adrenaline thing. You're always learning something new. You're you're training, you're camaraderie with, you know, your 30 or 40 other members. You have social events, you know, you're out there at one o'clock in the morning at minus 20 and and people are all sleeping and you're out doing your thing. So that part just, you know, still to this day is probably the part I love the most is, you know, you could be out doing something and then in the middle of the night and then eight o'clock or nine o'clock rolls around, everybody starts driving in the streets and they don't even realize that anything happened the night before. Right. So so crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the midnight walkers. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. So. Did that and just basically use that as my, when I was in Coldstream, I didn't know if I'd ever do firefighting as a profession. Obviously had to work another job and continue on life that way, but just soaked up as much training as I could, as many courses and just really, you know, I was a the guy there till. 2 o'clock in the morning talking to the chief on practice nights and just listening to the stories. And my close buddies, you know, that we went through recruit, we'd be down at the hall anytime we could, just going through the trucks, figuring out where all the equipment was, what it exactly did. If we weren't sure, we'd pull it out and start playing with it.
0: It's my favorite time of firefighters right new firefighters they're just this sponge teach me everything I want to know everything ask questions. I like it because I'm obviously a big storyteller so that's my group of people that'll listen to my stupid stories over and over and over again but uh, it, it is it's fun times right I don't think you can ever look back at that and go man that time really sucked
1: No, there's yeah. no time it's it's kind of like your honeymoon phase right like <laughs> there's no bad days every, well, every day. It's not this show,
0: <laughs> all right. So, so you're in cold stream, you're moving along, right? We actually will bring it back to your wife, you start a business. And you and your wife are running this successful business while you're trying to be the fire chief of Coldstream Fire. So what's that like? What kind of pressures are on you?
1: Yeah. So just to clarify, so if Crystal does end up hearing this, she started the business and she's the driver. She's the brains behind the operation.
0: We'll make sure she hears this. Good suck up move.
1: <laughs> so she wanted to bring that business to the next level. So she, through her plans, decided that I'd be a good part of that business. So I quit my, my job and, and went to the business full-time, and then at the same time was obviously in the uh, fire chief's position in Coldstream there. So to put it, I guess, in plain words, it's it's a lot of sleepless nights. If you're not worrying about the business, you're worrying about the firefighters and vice versa. You're trying to create policies for a better workplace for your firefighters. You're trying to employ local people in your town, and you're trying to keep everything ticking, right? So... There's a lot of a lot of sleepless nights. Learned a lot in those years, and again, wouldn't wouldn't trade it for anything. It's not always good days in those situations, but you you don't re- usually remember the bad stuff. You remember the good stuff. So
0: no, for sure. And you know what? Like I think that we all have these pressures, right? So it's in my mind, it's a little bit different. You know, you're a business, part of a business, right? And so all the pressures on you for the business side of it—that's the money for your family and your future and all that stuff—and you're the fire chief which is, you know, like all the pressures on you for the firefighters. Uh, a lot of us, we have a job and we go and do that job and then we go and do the firefighting stuff and kind of come back and forth. But the whole pressure of that business on your shoulders seemed like a unique thing for me. That, that was what was different when we were talking about this is that, you know, your wife's counting on you to be there. You know, the people, the customers are counting on you to be there. And yet, you know, deep down that the firefighters are counting on you and you got to be there. So, you know, that balance between, do I skip out of work when I know this deadline is due? It's different if you're just a worker versus the owner, in my opinion.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I struggled with that, you know, until the up until the day that we sold the business. So I don't have a great answer other than I felt like I was always on. There was no moment where you could just sit back and relax and soak it in. It was always, if something wasn't happening at the business, something would be happening at the fire hall and vice versa. And you know, the pressure, you just have to find a way to deal with it. And everybody's way is going to be different. And, you know, some days you feel like you're in that pressure cooker and you just need to decide what it is that's going to make you smile that day. So you just throw up your hands, clear your schedule and go for a golf game or whatever it's going to be that that makes you happy, right? So there's days where you would hide the phone and you'd go out for a few hours and Hopefully nobody finds you and, and then yeah. regroup, right? So there is those days, but the rewards you get out of seeing developing people in the business, in the fire department, like that's what really drives me. Like seeing somebody come from that new recruit and then whatever years, three or five years later they're they're an assistant chief or or whatever. That's that's the stuff that I love, right?
0: For sure. Yeah, seeing that progression and helping with that progression, right? Mentoring folks and getting them through. So then something really cool happens. I know it's driven probably by stress and all these other things, but you decide as a couple that you're going to sell the business, sell your house and move. So kind of walk me through that.
1: Yeah. So, and I guess it came the day where we decided the pressure was just so much, you know, we kind of fulfilled what we wanted to do on the business side. We didn't feel like we could progress it any further than we did get it. So for it, for the business to survive, we knew that we, we needed to sell it. Otherwise, it would just stay stagnant and who who knows what would happen to it. So we ended up, we listed the business and listed our house at the same time. Our house sold first. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So uh, so you're living at your business? <laughs> yeah. So you're living at your business, which you do anyway. So we sold the house and then shortly after the business sold and then was like, you're basically free. What do you do
0: now? Yeah. So So this is awesome. What did you do?
1: So what we did was, luckily the person that bought our house didn't want to move in right away, so we rented it back, (laughs) so we didn't have to move any furniture. So it was like basically a sea can that you already lived in, which was great. Perfect. And then we booked three tickets, one for myself, my wife Crystal, and our little son Neil, and we went to New Brunswick. On the East Coast, Crystal's mom retired there, so that was our base camp. And then we traveled for close to four months up and down the eastern seaboard and hit all the Canadian provinces back to Ontario and went down into the States there. Really just decompressed. We were staying right on the ocean in a little cottage. So every night you could hear the waves and you could go out in the morning, find sea glass, and there's a lobster fishers going out. And so it was pretty serene setting like you see in the in the magazines so we just basically had no expectation what did you want to do from day to day week to week and we just traveled around and
0: booked airbnbs and Just living my dream, man. Just living my (laughs) dream. I love it. It's so awesome, right? It's kind of that midlife break. Just it's been too crazy and too hard. And and so you just go and see all these awesome places and do all this stuff with your family. I mean, your son will remember that forever, right? I mean, it changes his life. Now, the cool part of this to me is that you're traveling around, seeing all this stuff and just kind of living it, right? But then all of a sudden reality kicks in and you got to move to the next phase. (laughs) So go ahead with that.
1: Yeah, so we're probably a month or two months into their travel. And then it goes, and then we'd have an epiphany that, hey, we don't have any jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and the money will run out eventually, right? So traveling around takes some money to to do things, so.
0: So you gotta get a job, right? And yeah, so so you just- sorry,
1: so we gotta get a job. So start going on Indeed, looking online, all across Canada, trying to figure out what is it exactly we wanna do. Crystal built the business, it was successful, we sold it. So we had to talk about, hey, would you be okay if we kind of went wherever my career would take me, which would be in the fire service. And so we talked about that, weighed the pros and cons and, and she was on board. So, you know, we're feverishly going online every day, signing up for the emails, notifications, what jobs pop up where all across Canada. And just started applying, throwing stuff out there. Something would pop up. We'd kind of look at the city on Google Maps and say, hey, do you think you could live there? Sure, why not?
0: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They're just applying all over the place, whatever looks good on Google. and
1: Yeah, so from the West Coast to the East Coast and everything in between, just started applying, seeing what would kind of hit and started taking interviews. So we'd do on-the-phone interviews or at that time, people i think we're using skype now everything's zoom yeah (laughs) but doing those interviews at some points i remember one day i was in starbucks in downtown moncton and i was doing an aptitude test because the wi-fi in rural new brunswick doesn't work so great right but starbucks is always going eh? that's awesome yeah so just doing whatever you had to do you know we'd be traveling to prince edward island pull over beside the Confederation Bridge and do a phone interview. Right. So you just, you just make it work. <laughs> you're just living it. Eh?
0: You're in the van, you're out in the, in the bed and breakfast, you're at Starbucks. It doesn't matter. You're just applying for jobs. And
1: yeah. Yeah. And I had my notebook with me and basically would just review my notes to make sure I wouldn't miss anything and try and obviously refine your answers. Everybody's looking for something different. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, in the beginning, I was really structured following that notebook and keeping lots of key notes. And as we got further in, I just decided I'm going to answer whatever comes to my
0: mind at the time. And it is what it is. So It's just the history of the traveling fire chief at this point. You're just trying to to live it and go. That's awesome. So you end up, this is kind of where our paths meet. You end up in Big Lakes County, just down from Slave Lake, my home base. You're the new fire chief, regional fire chief of Big Lakes County.
1: Yeah, that's right. So fast forward to that, arrive in Big Lakes, I think it was just after Halloween, beginning of November, about one day in, there was about two feet of snow fell, (laughs) And I ended up selling my snowblower at the house. So (laughs) that was interesting. But anyway. Uh, That'll teach you. Yeah, that'll teach (laughs) you. Ended up in Big Lakes and part of the service that honestly I didn't know anything about. I tried to find out as much information online and came from a municipality in BC. So you know the way I thought Alberta and BC would be aligned in, in the fire service and it would be a simple transition and basically throw that out the window that... General terms are the same and the firefighting's is the same, but the structure and the policy is, is quite a bit different. And just started plugging away, to see if I could make a difference, right? They're in a time where they needed some work on their policy end, and they needed uh, to figure out a direction. You know, everything was done in, I believe, in election cycles and nobody thought the bigger picture. What
0: do we want to look like in 10 or 20 years, right? Right. So, so it's tough. And, and so you've kind of brought it up now and we'll talk some more as we go along here. You know, the difference between working for a fire society, a municipality, a county, a regional district. A municipal district, all these different types of fire services, right? So single source, municipal, and all these districts. And this week's just blown my mind as far as different ways to do things. And so uh, you're in Big Lakes County, and so you're working with two municipalities, five regional county fire departments. So what you know? What's the big differences there between Coldstream and this new gig you got?
1: So. I would say the biggest differences are the provincial legislation in BC. So in Alberta, the uh, office of the fire commissioner isn't as instrumental in the in the fire service and the way it operates in Alberta, whereas in BC they do majority of the guidance for the
0: municipal departments. So, um, right. So, so in one you've got the BC playbook, and the other one you've got. Here, go at it. it. <laughs> Figure out what you want to do and <laughs> yeah, make right it work, on.
1: right? So, obviously, the biggest challenge, and I think most fire departments are going through it, and and that's correlating what you need to do with work safe, with legislation, with your own municipality policies and procedures, and just being safe right so you're trying to juggle all those things and intertwine them and trying to figure out what program is going to work for your county or your town so that was the biggest struggle and then getting the politicians
0: to agree right to set something and go with it so and and it is so different right i, I always say that if we had 400 fire departments we'd run them 450 different ways you know every place i go hundreds of places across the country everyone's running it just a little bit different the government's running it a little bit different you know you talked about the elected officials they're all looking at it a little bit different. And so you're working in big lakes, you're trying to help sort out that web, right? Give them a roadmap, some framework to move forward and you get another opportunity. Opportunity comes knocking on your door.
1: Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) this current opportunity that I'm in position just happened by chance. You know, I wasn't out seeking it, but kind of came on my lap and, and I really struggled because in one token, it looked very appealing. And the other token, I committed to Big Lakes that I would be there to see, see them through the next chapter of their fire service and I didn't get as much time as it was needed to do that. I think in the short time I was there I was able to offer some opinion and potentially some direction and I hope that helps them for the future. But it took a long time to actually decide that, you know, I would would jump out of there and, and into this position. So, so so
0: what's the new job?
1: So the new job I'm in is actually Protective Services Manager in Peace River Regional District. So, completely out of the fire service in an operational capacity, and at the policy level now, where we work with the fire departments to decide what they're doing for the future. Right, give okay. them direction.
0: So, to quote my son Ryan, I'm going to say, "You, you join the wheelie chair boys." That's right, um, that. uh, that's right, Ryan, I'm, I'm a wheelie chair, so right
1: yeah, that was one thing I wasn't sure if, you know, I'd enjoy coming out of operations and, and into the wheelie chair, but so far so good.
0: No, and you know what, you help all the different ways, right? So you start as a firefighter, you work your way up through the ranks, you know, you finally get to fire chief and cold stream. You take a bit of a break. Now you're a regional fire chief in Big Lakes. You know, you're just getting that going and figuring it out. Opportunity knocks and you're moving up to a a protective services manager. So pretty cool career in my opinion, right? And trying out jobs that the rest of us are all looking at and thinking about, you know, you've moved back and forth, BC, Alberta. And so it's cool. So you run into this, back to this whole society, municipality, county, district thing. You know, so now you've seen just about every different kind. And different way that we run it. What's your favorite? What's your least favorite? What's the best? What's the worst?
1: So I'd say, unfortunately, I think societies are a dying breed. I think they've done an amazing job getting the fire service where they are, but without proper taxation, you know, a steady income stream and just overall administration with today's current workloads and liabilities. So it's just
0: hard to keep doing it for free, for cheap, right? You, absolutely barbecues and bottle drives will only take you so far, right? Yeah.
1: And and there there's such demand from all these different groups these days to to get those bottles and, and hamburger drives and all that stuff, right? So I think that they're dying. Um I think they did an amazing job getting where the, where we are today. But I, I think that, you know, the regional model is is the way to go. I've I've seen a small regional model and how it works and been part of that and trying to get that one to the next level. Obviously, Jamie comes from a bigger regional model. I see the the benefits of that. And I know that right now there's a hesitation from different groups to to go to that model. And I think they're worried about their, you know, their identities, obviously their their traditions, their, you know, they've been The fire service for 75 years in this town and you know why would they be part of this big region but i think that's the wave of the future i think in in this day and age and climate of the taxation dollars getting less and less and everybody's looking at the fire service to cut funds you know the old adage you can't draw blood from a stone so i think we're at that pivotal point where we need to collectively as a fire service get together and show them these bigger models that that work so that everybody shares the cost of that so
0: so i love the idea right i'm i'm on the same page we're pushing the same rock up the same hill but you run slam into tradition right and this is our town look at the name on our hat and they don't really want a new name on the front of the hat with their name on the back they want their name on the front I think that people are getting it. I think they're moving in a direction. But the problem with firefighters is no matter how short we run, no matter how little money we have, we still make it work, right? And so we kind of, I believe that we're our own worst enemies that way. We just keep making it work and we keep fundraising. We keep driving everybody into the ground until we're tired out and we don't look at these other models. And so that's that change piece, right? We don't wanna change, but we don't wanna stay how we are. So what's the model? So you're working on that every day, right? You're working at that at your last job. I don't know in the fire service, we ever stopped trying to improve it and, and help people along. It's gonna be trouble. You got lots of stuff ahead of you. But keep doing the good stuff. Keep moving it forward. Because what they have to look forward to is some of what we're gonna talk next, right? And so I like to talk to my guests all the time about what's the worst stuff? What what's the part of the fire service that really drives you nuts?
1: The part of the fire service that drives me crazy is, I don't know, that's a tough question. <laughs> I thought that would be an easy answer. Yeah, but right. It's not. <laughs> so we have the dark
0: stuff, right? I mean, nobody likes going to the, the deaths and the severe injuries and the, you know, the loss of houses and stuff. But what about, you know, the camaraderie? So let's go to the best stuff. Maybe the best stuff is so much easier, right? So so what's the best stuff? What keeps you coming back every day?
1: The best stuff, like you touched on there, the camaraderie, the, the community, you got all these different people in this organization that bring different things to the table they got different skills and different ideals and how do you get that exposure in everyday life you know if you're playing sports or whatever sure you go show up for your hockey game but 90% of the time you're on the ice playing or whatever you're not you're not in that one on one talking to somebody working directly with them side by side coming up with tactics to potentially extricate this patient out of a car and sharing those I would say intimate moments together, right? Like there's not, not many other professions like that where you're side by side and you're relying on your peers to get you through because you can't do these calls by yourself, right? It takes that huge team to get it done. And I can't equate it to anything else. And, and the stuff that people bring to you and you, you might, like I say, you might be thinking one thing one day and then you know, new recruit comes in and he's in the back right seat and, and he goes, hey, why don't we do this? And you go, yeah, I don't know why we don't do that. <laughs> that's sad. Yeah, that's,
0: that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so, and boom, change is born. And <laughs> change is born, right? So, so those things to me are the best and just getting all different perspectives on life that way and training and life skills, right? Like I don't know where you can find that in other places. And that's just my own personal opinion.
0: It it is. It's a job like no other, right? I mean, I had lots of jobs and and this one is better than a real job. In my opinion, the way I put it, I love doing it. I love being around firefighters. One of my favorite places on earth is just sitting around a table like we are right now, talking about firefighting stuff, changing ideas, figuring it out, right? So here's another tough one for you. I'm really going to stump you with this one. What's next for David Sturgeon? You've done all this stuff. You've went all these places. What's next?
1: I wish I had an answer to that. Growing up, it was always kind of beaten into your head that you had to have a game plan with your life. You had to figure it out. You had to have this roadmap on how to get there. You had to put the pieces together when it came to schooling or skills training or whatever it needed to make it happen. And From what I thought I was going to do when I was five, when I was 10, when I was 20, I never said, hey, I'm going to be the protective services manager. (laughs) Whose (laughs) job is that? (laughs) Yeah, like I didn't even know what they did, right? I don't think a lot of people know or care what they (laughs) do. So, you know, what's next? I don't know. For me, I just want to make a difference in, I know it's in the fire world in some capacity. I think big change is coming to the fire service and I want to be part of that change in a positive way and to get there we have to get through potentially the darker days There's, and not every day is going to be great right so to start changing minds and figure out ways to fund the service that in my mind should be an essential service throughout the country right and why it's downloaded to municipalities i'm i'm not 100% sure on why everybody should create their own empire but you know i think we need to get together collectively and and think bigger right so
0: that's it maybe that's my next podcast maybe i'll get some big politicians in here and we'll figure this out (laughs) (laughs) good luck (laughs) yeah right so i'll I'll throw out there the four words i talk about all the time ego turf time and money right we're gonna have to fight those battles and i know you're well positioned to help in the peace river regional district for me thanks for all your work you did in big lakes county and just keep it going right when you want to take your next four months off you let me know and maybe we'll cruise around the country together right get our families together and get this done or maybe grenada
1: <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i didn't even know what grenada was until i met you. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well one day i'll be doing a podcast from there hopefully you're sitting across from me and we're looking at the ocean instead of the snow falling in dawson creek bc absolutely right on so episode three growing up fire with david sturgeon from peace river regional district thanks a lot for being here today appreciate it thank you appreciate everything you do as well Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.